Welcome to D-Next. On this extra special episode, Paul Kuwiti speaks to Simcha Yakubovich about the powerful and provocative new series Enslaved with Samuel L. Jackson. Simcha is a multi-award-winning documentary director and producer, as well as a New York Times best-selling author and lecturer. His filmmaking awards include three Emmys for outstanding investigative journalism. He has produced programming for virtually every major broadcaster in the world, including CBC, Vision, NBC, PBS, Discovery Channel, History Channel, National Geographic Channel, HBO, Five, BBC, Discovery Science, and many others. As a result, Simcha has become an internationally recognized expert in decoding the ancient past and connecting it to today. He has appeared on numerous television shows including Anderson Cooper 360, Larry King Live, The Oprah Winfrey Show, and NBC Today. More than 12 million Africans were enslaved and trafficked. More than 2 million of our ancestors died at sea. The ocean holds stories that haven't been told. This is ground zero for the whole transatlantic slave trade. The story of the slave trade is world history. It's not something unique to America. There was a worldwide phenomenon. Thank you for joining us on D Next and congratulations on all of your recent success. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's nice to be here and to connect I, with you again. Well, I, I know that you're always involved in many interesting and important things. I've followed your your body of work uh, since the beginning with uh, the Plague Monkeys and all the other projects that you've done. My question is, as we get started, why this project and why now? Well, you know, it's, it's kind of uh, interesting because um, right now, except for COVID-19, I would say that uh, Identity politics, uh, black-white relations are probably the hottest, um, uh, you know, issue. It's probably the hottest issue on the planet, certainly in places like the United States and Canada and the UK. But we started this three years ago, uh, and uh, three years ago it wasn't considered a hot subject when I brought up the idea of six-part series. People said, it, you know, this is niche. The most you can get is one hour, and uh, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't trying to kind of read the times. What happened is I had been working on a documentary. Uh, I, di I did a documentary for National Geographic with uh, Jim Cameron, and uh, we did a film called Atlantis Rising. And Jim, of course, has a, a passion for the sea, and we went kind of looking for. Atlantis, myth or fact. And during that, I, I really met some of the top uh, marine archaeologists in the world, and I stayed friendly with them and in touch with them. And you know, you're, you're having dinner with these guys, and they tell you that uh, there's sunken slave ships all over the place. And uh, I consider myself a fairly educated human being. But I didn't know that the transatlantic slave trade lasted 400 years. Just didn't know that, didn't realize that. I didn't realize that we're talking about 12 million Africans that were trafficked. 
Nor did I realize that about two million died en route. Two million people uh, that never made it even to uh, the shores of the new world, you know, to, uh, you know, to be slaves. They died before they could even make it to these shores. And that about like a thousand slave, ship, a, a slave ships sunk. So to me, all this was shocking. And I just thought, wow, you know, you know, is the world, is the Western world suffering from collective amnesia? Uh, we got to tell the story. And uh, as a filmmaker, I'm always looking for a way to tell a story, a way, you know, illustrated lectures is not my thing. And also people don't want it. And certainly, you know, I use my kids, uh, you know, my kids would don't want to watch six illustrated uh, uh, lectures, you know. And uh, at the same time, I knew that something this big, you can't just do in one hour. It's not giving the story uh, the proper respect that it deserves. So I thought, well, it has to be a six-part series and it has to deal with the economics and the politics and the resistance that Africans are often portrayed as victims, but they, they resisted. They're not just victims. The culture that they left behind, the culture that they helped to found. So we looked for, you know, we thought, wow, you know, the way to tell this story, the, the, the dramatic arc could be the diving, the diving for the uh, sunken slave ships. That can be the springboard, the, the, the adventure, so to speak, of looking for and diving the sunken slave ships can be the springboard for the larger story. And that's how it started. And, you know, we worked on it and it really, uh, it had it hit a new level once uh, Hollywood icon and human rights activist Samuel L. Jackson joined and he took on a very active uh, role as a, both a producer and he's featured in the series and also he did something he's never done before. First of all, he never produced a documentary, never been on camera for a documentary and he's a very private person. He agreed to, you know, to, to have his own journey because uh, uh, filmed because he had done his DNA and uh, knew that uh, he was traced to the Benga tribe of modern Gabon in West Africa and uh, he 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 wanted to go back but he didn't want to just go back on a personal journey as a kind of Hollywood superstar going to meet the tribe of his ancestors but here he found a, a reason if we were going to tell the story, if we we're going to try to educate millions about the transatlantic slave trade, then he could use his own personal journey as a, as a, as a way of, of, of involving people in the bigger story. So once he joined and once he took on that active role and was ready to have cameras uh, document this very personal, intimate uh, uh, journey that he was on, then it went on to a different level and we were able to do really to get the broadcasters on board like the CBC that came on early before it was a front page news and uh, so this is important this is something that should be important to Canadians it's not just it's, it's a global story but it's it's it involves us all so once they joined and Fremantle and epics in the United States and suddenly we had the budget and the the platform for doing what we were dreaming about from the beginning. And the irony is that uh, kind of history caught up with us 
was because as we were working on it, suddenly what had been quote unquote niche suddenly became front page news and, and very, very mainstream. Sure. And that was, that was amazing. You know, your timing uh, with regards to this weaving itself into the zeitgeist of popular consciousness, you know, probably couldn't be better. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, this, uh, and you seem to have that kind of a knack or I don't know if it's luck or a magic quality to see what's coming around the corner, but this is not the first time if you're someone who believes in destiny or fate, but uh, certainly something is aligning nicely. I mean, what, what's a, what, when you were making this project, I, I can imagine that there was many things that uh, changed you. Again, I've been watching the first three episodes and I, there's so much going on here. Um, and I've learned a lot. It's almost like a masterclass or a, a PhD in a point in our history where we may just choose not to discuss or perhaps people haven't necessarily done enough to deep dive, if you will, into that history. And perhaps we're left with the ramifications of that in terms of what's happening now. But what else surprised you when you were going through this? Did, uh, you know, you start off with a lot of surprises. What else surprised you? Well, you know, um, pretty much everything surprised me. I know that may sound uh, trite or something, but it's truly because uh, it's things that you, uh, you're, at every turn, you're, you're learning. And oftentimes you're going to where people haven't really, uh, you, you know, there are experts, but, you know, I'll give an example. You know, one of the ships that we're, uh, we feature is the Luzden, and the Luzden was a Dutch ship. And everybody was involved, the British, we have a British ship, the Portuguese, the Spaniards, the Danes, the Dutch. And, uh, and uh, the Luzden, uh, Professor Leo Balai wrote his PhD on it some 15 years ago. And it's the worst tragedy that happened, a single tragedy, during the 400 years of the transatlantic slave trade. Uh, the ship's captain uh, was on his way to Suriname. He made it to Suriname, which was really not even a Dutch, I guess you could call it a Dutch colony, but it was really a, a huge plantation for producing sugar to send back to Amsterdam. And uh, he took the wrong turn and he found the ships uh, uh, going down in shallow water. So what he did was he nailed down the hatches so that the, the Africans uh, in the hold of the ship couldn't get out. And they waited till everybody drowned. They drowned in shallow water, more than 660 Africans. And then, uh, you know, uh, oftentimes when they, when they killed people, murdered people in this way, they oftentimes uh, put in an insurance claim for their quote unquote lost cargo. So, you know, when we found out about the ship, we knew that we wanted to feature the ship and go looking for it. And when we contacted Professor Leo Balai, you know, it was like the first time in 15 years that any journalist or, 15, or, or filmmaker had contacted him. So to come back to what surprised me, I mean, these are things that these people have been working, a lot of these academics and, and people with a passion in far-flung corners of the world. You know, we ended up shooting on four continents, 12 countries, and they're working oftentimes by themselves and oftentimes people around them think they're crazy for for being so interested in all this. So you meet these people that no one really has 
spoken to before and and they're telling you stuff that you really haven't seen it hasn't been published for example when we went in portugal we went to the uh square in lagos portugal which was the first square where africans were sold in europe in an auction and so we went there for that reason but when we got there what we didn't know is that they had excavated in that area archaeologists and they found a mass grave and i saw the pictures it's very shocking you see a mother holding a child you see somebody with their hands tied behind their back you know before they die and uh so what did what happened with this mass grave did they put up a memorial in memory of all those who died in such violent way no they built a uh, they took out the bones and they built a mini golf course over it so you're sitting there and you're going you're shocked at and these are you know it's good people they just these i put good in quotation marks they're not thinking anything out you know you're surprised at how thoughtless human beings can be so at, at every location where we went there was a moment like that like oh my god you know i can't believe this and part of what we tried to do in the series in in the series enslaved was to do to, to do that to 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 have that effect on our viewers that kind of oh my god i didn't know this or i can't believe this or you know uh just to constantly you know uh, i sh- you know i focus group with my kids and when they watched and they didn't want to turn the channel i knew i was doing something right because right. they were being surprised they were being surprised as they were being educated well when you think about um things like the Holocaust or World War II, uh, uh, 9-11, and the memorials, the, the physical memorials that exist uh, around the world, something like this project may be the first step towards that with this subject matter, because I don't know of any other large-scale physical memorials that exist. I mean, how how do you think this compares to some of those other things I mentioned in terms of uh, you know worldwide great tragedies? Well, you know, it's interesting you you say that. Um we uh, uh we originally were going to have um uh a memorial as our finale. As it turned out COVID-19 stopped that. And uh and uh our I just finished writing a a proposal we're talking to some broadcasters right away literally within this week about a new documentary which will be a kind of epilogue to enslaved and the idea is to be, to create uh, the first memorial to the millions that died on route and place it underwater uh and hmm. place some rec- place some replicas on land but put the first one underwater and we've already spoken to the government of Grenada that has said okay so um you know so i think you know i'm a child of holocaust survivors you mentioned the holocaust i'm a child of holocaust survivors and i take very 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 seriously that denial of history is an invitation to repeat it and educating people and reminding them and telling them the story is an insurance that it doesn't happen again so if i if i played as a child of holocaust survivors some role in uh, reminding people about the transatlantic slave trade and the millions who died on route then i feel you know i feel uh, honored 
And what also surprised me, again, just in terms of how I was being enlightened and educated uh, as I watched the series, is just how global of a project this was. It almost feels like there was some international cooperation around the the slave trade, uh, and I, you know, I hadn't realized how many other parts of the world it had touched. I mean, uh, especially in Brazil and places like that. This really is a worldwide story. Yeah, you know, um, it was funny. Uh, at one point, we spoke to someone in Britain very early on when we were pitching things, and uh, this this person who shall remain nameless said, "What does this have to do with us?" and I was taken aback. I said, you know, how do you get to work? And he told me, I said, you see all those beautiful homes, 19th century homes. Yeah. I said, what do you think? They were built on the backs of the slave trade. The UK was the biggest trafficker in, you know, in, in Africans for, for a very, very long time. But, you know, people in the UK, for example, remember abolition, but they don't remember the slave trade. So I said to this guy, I said, well, what did you abolish if you didn't? So he suddenly scratched his head and said, yeah, so yes, it was global. You know, you asked me about surprises. If you would have asked me before I was involved in this um, about slavery, what came to mind, immediately I would think about the American South and plantations. That's what I would think in the American Civil War. And of course, you know, that was a horrific war and, and a, a noble cause, obviously. But, um, only 4% of the Africans traffic got to the United States. This was surprising and shocking to me. Well, where did they go? You mentioned Brazil. Well, 44% went to Brazil and some 38% went to the Caribbean. So, you know, you, and then you think about it and then it makes sense when you think about Brazilians today. And, uh, you know, it was totally global. Portuguese started it, then the Spanish came in, then the the Brits pretty much outdid everybody, and then the Dutch came in, and the Dane. That you know, one of our episodes deals with looking for two Danish ships, and um, you know, who would have thought the Danes? But um, all the stories are different. Like in the Dan Danish episode, the one they were looking, it's young people in Costa Rica who suspect they have an African origin, but these are legends that somehow the government educational system does not teach them. So when they're diving for those slave ships, they're really diving for their own history. They want to know, who am I? And, uh, and uh, you know, I hope it's not a spoiler, but they find evidence. And, uh, and so it's, it's not just archeology, span it's, it's about spiritual archeology. span It's about identity. It's about finding out who they are. And also it's about the culture that's been built. You mentioned Brazil. So much of modern culture, whether it's music or, or art or food, so much of modern culture was born as part of our culture now. It was born in the bowels of those slave ships. And, we, and they don't get the credit. Well, certainly speaking of, you know, credit, in a roundabout way. There's an interesting segment where you examine, I guess, artifacts of currency that were created uh, specifically for the, the slave trade. And when you think about the story of, I guess, modern wealth accumulation uh, in history, 
a lot of it has to do with the ability to, you know, generate wealth from the slave trade. That was a, an ability to sort of create that. That a lot of our modern wealth in the world probably wouldn't exist without the slave trade. Um, do you do you feel that? Maybe or maybe talk a little bit more about that because that was an interesting segment where you were showing uh, some of the uh, currency artifacts that were developed that looked like rings yeah. of, of some sort. Now, we, yeah, we're, we, one of the episodes, really, the underlying theme is the economics of the slave trade, because something doesn't go on for 400 years as kind of a side event. It was central to the building of the modern economy. Now, uh, um, you know, the, the question also is, you know, as a filmmaker, again, if I can make people look at something absolutely new that they never thought, they never saw before, that's good. But if I can make them look at something they've seen over and over again in a new way, that's that's sometimes even better. And for me, um, you know, learning about what is it that all these slaves, uh, all these Africans who were enslaved, what is it that they were put to work to do? Well, they were producing stuff for the European market. What were they producing? Sugar. One One person in our film says, Sugar was the black man's curse because uh, at highly addictive and to keep the price down so that, you know, it used to be that only the aristocracy could afford sugar. But once you have free labor, then the middle class could afford, afford it. Um, the original plan by the Europeans, because the, the weather is so good for sugar for plantations uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the new world was to enslave the indigenous people. But when, when the indigenous uh, people of the New World came into contact with the Europeans, they didn't have an immune system. You know, we're living today in pandemic times. They didn't have an immune system to withstand the germs that the Europeans brought. And some hundred million died. So suddenly you had a great idea, so to speak, of how to produce uh, sugar by uh, enslaving people, but you didn't have slaves because they all died off. So they started importing Africans to be enslaved in, in places like Brazil. And what did they do? They, they produced sugar, they produced uh, coffee, they produced uh, cocoa, chocolate, they produced uh, tobacco. Notice all highly addictive, right? Right. So the middle class in Europe got addicted, got addicted to coffee and you know I'll never look at a cup of coffee I love coffee but I'll never look at a cup of coffee again the same way and and uh, tobacco all these things to keep the price low so that the middle class could have it they they enslaved millions of people and that became the engine for the European economy as you put it the, the wealth was built on the back of that of that system so for me, it was uh, really a, a revelation to suddenly realize that these things around me that I took for granted, right, you know, later cotton, I mean, that all the stuff at the beginning uh, really was paid for in blood. So zooming forward to 2020, where you have very uh, highly uh, listened to people such as Kanye West making controversial uh, statements about slavery, um, and you have again, as you said, this uh, you know worldwide conversation about about these issues, which I guess we are nowhere even near resolving 
even within ourselves or, you know, let alone systemically. Tell me more about uh, Sam Jackson's role in in this, because obviously that added a lot to the project. Did you see uh, a change in him as uh, as you went through this journey uh, together, making this film and telling the story? You know, that's an intimate thing. I, I think so. I mean, nobody can go through something like that, to go back, to see people that you know. Uh, you know, this is the tribe that my, my ancestors uh, came from. And like, what were the odds? Millions of people were trafficked. What are the odds that one of them, the great, great, great grandson of one of them, would come back as kind of a hero? It'd be a winner. What what are the odds? And then you you come and 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 they welcome you as a, as a lost son returned. I think that was very moving for him. He said on the Daily Show that he, what he felt was uh, survivor's remorse. You know, like I survived. You know, others didn't. You know, um, I I think that um, you know his involvement. Uh, made all the difference because you need you need an important story we have one we need a you need a, a dramatic way to tell it and uh, finding and diving sunken slave ships and going all over the world you know my co uh, kind of journalist on it i'm you know i'm sometimes on camera with uh, sam jackson obviously is and, and so is apple her she kind of recruits these two journalists to go to go and fill in the historical missing pieces and also it wasn't us it was dwp that was doing the diving diving with a purpose and they're a group in the united states a multiracial group an action group that started as uh, part of the uh, national association of black scuba divers and they're dedicated to preserving the oceans and preserving the african heritage uh, so uh you know we we follow them so we have these great characters so you need a, a great story and you need a great way to tell it but even then even then three years ago before this became a hot topic i don't think we would have got really got the platform to do what we needed to do without sam's involvement he you know he's the highest grossing actor ever he's you know from pulp fiction to uh uh to the Mar- marvel universe you know uh I mean, he, he speaks across generations, so his involvement just suddenly suddenly allowed us to, to take this whole project to a whole other level. And, and it got a whole other level of attention and, and, and continues to get it. And as I mentioned before, it's a, it's a truly powerful series and even just <clears throat> the cinematography alone uh, is you know quite something to see. You've really been able to literally open people's eyes to some parts of the world. But speaking of well, topics. You know, on, that, yeah. on that note, I just want to say, you know, we filmed on the ground, underwater, in the air, 6K underwater, 4K the rest of the time. We, we wanted we wanted to tell the story, you know, in a beautiful way, in, in, in an exciting. We had recreations. We 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 just went all all out to 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 really honor the topic by making by being good filmmakers. It wasn't just about, as I say, illustrated lecture. It was about just go all out to make a film that's great, 
great filmically and we had incredible cinematographers just you know you know wonderful directors location directors and just amazing editors just i've been i was very fortunate to you know when when things come together suddenly you know there's that magic when on a team things come together that's what happened on enslaved yeah i i would agree there's this is a it, it really is an example of everything uh you know uh, being at the height as a, as it should be from a tech technological perspective from a story perspective you know from a topical perspective it really is quite something and you know you've 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 you know see, again speaking of hot topics you've seemed to covered a lot of fundamental issues in your body of work from you know the bible being a big one of course to you know plagues uh to this what what drives you or attracts you to certain subjects i mean you spoke about this at the outset of our conversation but maybe you could elaborate a little bit more what attracts you to these topics well you know i i really uh i've been i'm a curious person and also i learned at the uh, at the kitchen table i'm so sorry with so much of the social media people don't have dinner together but i learned so much at the kitchen table having dinner with my folks and my my hmm. my sister and me and w- growing up my dad always whatever i said he kind of challenged me he 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 made me always like I, he never let me take things for granted well everybody knows or everybody says he'd say you know who's everybody and why do they say that and i would have to kind of de- defend my position and i i i learned you know to it's part of my nature i guess to just ask just basic questions how do we know what we know like everybody says something how, how do you know that and so by i'm really like in many ways a kid I, i don't ask very complicated questions i ask very simple questions and then i try i mean i'm a pretty good kind of journalistic detective i try to get to the bottom of it and i don't uh, i don't just you know i had an amazing professor professor alan bloom of blessed memory in the university of toronto and he taught me you know and as he taught so many to just look at the basics don't worry about secondary sources don't worry necessarily about what the experts are saying just just look at the basics so i kind of follow like a kid i i guess i follow my my curiosity and uh i don't take no for an answer and i keep going and going and going and so far i've been really blessed with amazing uh also with amazing friends I and mean, the fact that i could work with people like jim cameron samuel jackson it's a real blessing and it's allowed me to do to do things and uh i've been working with rick bianstock and felix zolubev for years and just you know this came up uh, with an idea created by this investigation at the beginning with me and your own Nisky in Israel so i just uh, i follow my gut and i'm blessed to have uh, the kind of friends that i can that have made these dreams uh, of doing this and doing that become real well I mean, it's a calling ultimately you know uh, i i look up to heaven and i say thank you for all the uh, that I that I've been fortunate enough to work on these amazing projects. And I think part of what I do in my films is that I try to share with the audience my own awe at, at the things that I that I'm fortunate enough to learn. 
Uh, it seems that perhaps you and I share a little bit of a philosophical disposition on things, and sometimes that's good, and sometimes it can be a, a bit of a, a, a challenge, I guess is the best way to put it. But here's a big question. Yeah, it, it, means, it means you're not always swimming with, uh, with, with, a, with a stream. Sometimes you're swimming against the stream. And, uh, you know, afterwards people say, oh, you know, this is so timely. But three years ago, you're talking about looking around the bend. Three years ago, it wasn't timely. Uh, uh, and, uh, and, and people try to discourage you. And, you know, I guess like you have done in your life, I guess you just have to have to believe that if you're following something that's right and true, that somehow things will, will work out. At least that's the hope. Wow. So, you know, you, you, on that note, you tend to have a very wide and deep perspective on things uh, and usually have many truly pivotal points in our history from ancient times onwards. So my question is, as a journalist now, uh, a chronicler of our times, and if you are able to, what are your thoughts on where you think we are today? as a civilization compared to the many civilizations you've explored uh, in your lifetime? Wow, that's a different kind of question. Uh, usually um, I'm quite prepared to, to answer about what I just worked on. That's a very interesting question. Frankly, I'm worried. I'm worried. I think we're at a, at a crossroads. Humanity has been at crossroads before. Uh, and uh, but then you know i've seen the struggle between good and evil over the over the millennia that you know you had always empires that wanted to dominate that wanted to subjugate that wanted to dehumanize you've always had uh, people like that you know from uh, from the assyrians to the nazis uh, some worse than others but they never had the technology to actually you know, win the game at the end of the day. They, 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 they made a lot of bad, but they never had the technology. You could always rise. You could always have a Moses or a Spartacus. You could always rise and lead, you know, the good guys could, ha had a fighting chance. But I worry now about the, the matrix. I worry about the technology that, that can make people hear what we're saying right now, that, that, that can, uh, you know, can track and have uh, all kinds of algorithms to to, to prevent uh, to prevent um, re you know revolution against tyranny from ever taking uh, hold. So I worry about humanity and where it's going. I'm not talking now about the the the, the environment and so on because that's something to worry about as well. But I'm just talking about a technology that's out of control that we don't control, whether it's social media, there's no, you know, growing up, I watched Saturday morning cartoons, there were rules about what you could show and what you, you couldn't show. There's really no rules about what you can or can't show in uh, on the internet. So uh, I certainly don't want um, dictatorial control, but I also, I worry about where we're going. And I worry about where all this information is, is heading and, and and I worry about our freedom. Well, you know, in many ways, depending on how you look at it, this may be seen as a new age of story 
I mean, for good and bad, because as you said, there's very little restriction and, you know, storytelling can be used for all sorts of purposes and uh, all sorts of ways. But um, and I, I agree with you, it is a very uh, uh, perhaps dangerous time. And you talked about having to maybe fight to get certain stories told um, and out there. Do, do you see yourself as an entrepreneur, as a storyteller? Well, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a storyteller, that's for sure. I'm, I tell stories. Uh, I'm a Jew. Jews are storytellers. Uh, starting, you know, through the Bible. Good story, you know, it's, it's, it's the best-selling book of all time. Uh, I'm not saying it's made up. I'm just saying it's, it's, a, great, it's a great tale, epic tale. And, uh, and uh, I'm an entrepreneur in the sense that I've been fortunate enough as a documentary filmmaker to be able to uh, make a living and, and uh, raise a family because uh, some of the are, some of my fellow documentary guys, I mean, choosing documentaries is sometimes a very dangerous economic path to, to choose. Um, so, um, and, and I think I'm, I'm an activist. I've always been an activist. I think that at the end of the day, you know, like, I think, you know, if you can, if you can live your life and then look in the mirror and feel okay, you know, like not feel like, feel like, you know, a, you, you, you fought on the team for the good guys, then I think you're okay. And I, I try to, to be on the good guys team. And this is what enslaved was part of that, I guess, because, you know, for 400 years, it was accepted in, civil, in so-called civilized society to treat human beings as, uh, as not human, as objects, and, uh, and, uh, and to rationalize that. And, uh, you know, I think by telling that story, hopefully it helps to remind us to not be shits. Okay. Well, as we well was that a bit too colloquial? Not, not at all. That was that. Was, well, you know, my personal, you know, sort of view on this from having looked at, at what's been going on and having studied uh, a bit of this now is that I think we'd be in a lot different situation today if we properly uh, took responsibility for uh, and you know uh, handled. Uh, these things in a better way collectively and I think you're absolutely right uh, this is you know definitely we we, we need to be better um, and I think that what the work that you're doing is uh, helping us get there uh, certainly by drawing our attention to it and so as we're you know, rounding uh, out our oh, yeah go ahead on that note I just say you know this is the rea the, re the reality on the street and literally on the street front page news is this whole relationship between blacks and whites and and identity politics and i'm really you know hoping that this series which doesn't deal with the present deals with how we got here deals with the transatlantic slave trade that at least it provides a context for these discussions today because i really do believe that ignorance leads to bad places so I think if you can fill the vacuum with knowledge, I'm hoping that the series is not just about history, but it's about what's happening on our streets today. And I'm hoping that this series, Enslaved, can be part of the healing. Okay. And filling the vacuum with knowledge, healing, uh, this, these are all very important, big ideas. Uh, in terms of 
and, and probably ancient ideas too that we need to re-enliven today. So in terms of final thoughts as we wrap up here, is there what, what what's the most important thing you think that people need to know about either this project or the work that you do? Well, I don't know about the work that I do, but this project, they should watch it, you know? I mean, you make these films and uh, you sit in edit rooms for months and months and years on end. And one of the great things that happened is our distributor, Fremantle, has just advised us uh, a little while ago that this series has been picked up in over 132 countries already. Wow. So that's a wow. That makes me feel like you know, watch it on the CBC, on Epics in the United States, on your, find out where it's playing uh, on the BBC in the UK, find out where it's playing locally, look at, you know, watch it in streaming. Uh, I've been very heartened that teachers want to use it uh, to, you know, activists want to use it. People want to use the series to uh, catalyze discussion. And, uh, and I'm getting, just tremendous feedback and and it, it's wonderful so my message is we worked hard watch our series and let us know what you think okay uh well done well deserved uh rewards on this and i think uh this is going to make a big impact so it's been my honor and plev- uh, privilege to have you with us uh today uh, Simka. so thank you very much it's always a pleasure to see you and talk to you it's always really delightful and intellectually stimulating. Thank you. Thanks for listening to D-Next. For more information on the CBC's new series, Enslaved, or to hear more episodes, please visit our website at www.dnextnow.com. Until next time.